What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, February 27th, 2023, and this week's episode, The Return. We'll talk about a stacked weekend in mixed martial arts, UFC Vegas 70, Bellator 291, Fury vs. Paul, and everything in between. We'll talk about the latest in-fight announcements, some key names back in action, and we'll talk about this Saturday's event. It is the return of the man many consider the pound-for-pound best mixed martial artist to ever live, John Bones Jones, taking on Cyril Gaon, the women's flyweight champion Valentina Shevchenko, taking on Alexa Grasso, and a stacked undercard. Let's get right into it. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Double G, double G. There's snow on the mountains. Are you seeing this or is it just me? <laughs> Bro, it's been snowy. I haven't <laughs> been able to go check the mail comfortably. None of it. So I am definitely one of those Southern California people complaining about a little bit of rain. What about okay, you? Okay, you are. I wasn't until I had to be out in it for a while one day. And I thought, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> I, I don't need any more rain, but uh, we have a nice lull for now and then another storm on its way. So batten down the hatches. I mean, I'll tell you about a storm on the way. John Jones against Cyril Gaon That's right. this Saturday. No, but um, yeah, uh, I've held it down. Uh, the weather hasn't been too bad. They closed the freeway, but actually going through the neighborhood is like, it's been worse, guys. Calm down. Anyway, yep. um, look, let's get right into it. A stack Saturday. So uh, straight up, it comes around probably around the start of the main card. Uh, Nikita Krylov forced out of his fight with Ryan Spann, so... To be honest, even later in the, like, you talk about Derek Lewis, Spivak was at the 11th hour last year. This is like 11th hour in 30 seconds. Like, what? Are you kidding me? What was your reaction that the main event, the original main event, fell out so quickly? Yeah, uh, surprised. You know, look, I live my life in tape delay, so I wasn't watching live when the announcement was made, but... I was uh, trying to watch the fights on ESPN Plus, and I kept scrolling around looking for the uh, the main event. I was like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Well, then I had to do some digging. So very surprised. Then I find out how how late in the game the announcement was made. Uh, basically, Spivak had like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> food poisoning or something, spending a lot of time on the, uh, on the old toilet bowl. I've been there, so it's not fun. But um, – that just sucks, man. It's just, you know, it sucks for Ryan Spann. It sucks for Spivak. But then I also think, like, imagine all the complaining I do to you about why are they always at the apex? Why are they always at the apex? Well, good thing they were at the apex this time, right? Because that would have sucked for the fans if there had been a, a big uh, arena filled of them when this was announced. No, I hear you. Um, So straight up, this is one of those events I actually, you know, I, I was at work, so... And it was a particularly busy night, so I wasn't, I didn't have the freedom to be like, oh, what's going on? It was on, you know, couldn't have the phone streaming it live at where I was at. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll, obviously I'll find out when I'm off, what happened, how to go. And then I'm like, you know, actually before, uh, it, didn't, it didn't even pop up on my feed necessarily because I got to it so late. But then it's like, oh, like, wait, Krilov didn't fight Span? Like, wait, what? What happened? And... <laughs> Then you get it, and then obviously I see Ryan Spann, so disappointed. But I was like, oh, bro, you know, so. Um, 
it sucked and obviously my heart goes out to Ryan and Krilov because obviously it's like bro like you can imagine he obviously didn't want to do that to everybody the way it went down but you put yourself in the best position to win not you know have a bad fight I do want to ask you this. Let's just say, hypothetically, something similar were to happen this Saturday. If you have a backup fighter, if you're the backup fighter, let me say it like this. At what point do you actually wave the flag that you're not fighting? Because like, let's say, hypothetically, they bring in Stipe and he weighs in Friday and he's on deck on Saturday. Does Stipe start drinking the beer at the start of the main card, the co-main event, or does he not touch anything until Cyril and John are actually in the cage? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I think you don't want to be the backup guy who didn't take the job seriously enough, so I would wait. You, you, you know, you assume it's let's pretend Stipe, right? So he makes weight, he can rehydrate, he's good. He can't. All he can do, the only thing he can't do is drink alcohol, right? He can eat, he can do whatever. Just you know, don't. Don't go gorging on fettuccine Alfredo or something to make yourself <laughs> sick. Just just keep it light, keep it cool. And come fight time, just just sit there and watch. <laughs> I wouldn't be the one I wouldn't want to be the one that blew it. That was, you know, two two shoeies in when John Jones uh can't make it to the octagon. So <laughs> you wait until uh until John Annick says uh flight fight clock brought to you by I don't know who it's brought to you by this time. <laughs> but then you can drink. I like this strategy, yeah. yeah. I think, like, 8 o'clock is, like, my sweet spot. It's like, hey, if they're still having trouble at... If they're not having trouble at 8, I think I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, bro, can you imagine the scenes? Mm-hmm. That would be... Part of me wants to see it just because I'd want to see the reaction, but then I don't want that to happen to everybody. I think of the Hamzat, Kevin Holland deal, but, yeah. that that's That just goes through my mind. Uh, we did get a fight at the top of the card, so to show some love, Andre Muniz, Brendan Allen. Um, straight up, that was just a scrap. I mean, both yeah. of the guys obviously just brought it. Uh, there was some, you know, heavy fire going from both sides. What did you think of the match? It was a scrap. That's a good way to, to, you know, summarize. They were just going back and forth. Excuse me, the first round, you know, a lot of pretty much on the feet. Um, and Muniz... Man, looks just strong, big. You know, Alan looks good too, but Muniz looks very intimidating and posing figure. So, you know, it it didn't look like it was a, there was a clear victor. You know, carving out a path there. But I'll, I'll toss it back to you to break it down. But but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was an entertaining fight. Like for a replacement main event, I think it, it did the job. You know. Yeah, I think that um, for, look, uh, obviously they weren't the guys that we were focused in on uh, going in. A lot of people, uh, I'll be honest, I think a lot of people, if you are a very casual fan, you might have been convinced that Tatiana Suarez was the co-main event. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the de- the card was actually set up the way it was, um, yeah, these guys kind of stepped in and you kind of, you know, it is what it is. I don't think that they were necessarily, you know, they went out there to fight their fights. And obviously a great moment for Brendan Allen. Gets that late finish. Uh, beautiful transitions. Just really handled it. You know, just just a clutch closeout to win that fight. He might have taken the decision, but he, you know, he put a stamp on it. I thought that was well done. 
Um, obviously, Muniz is very tough. I don't think his stock drops too much, but Brendan Allen was the underdog going in. I thought that he made the most of his situation under the circumstances. Remember, he gets to find out at 7 o'clock, hey, bro, by the way, you're going to be the last fight of the night. We're going to turn out the lights and everything when you walk out, give you some lights, etc., etc. <laughs> the LEDs, the red and the blues and the greens, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought, all things considered, hey, man, congratulations, you handled it. So that's how I felt about it personally. But um, yeah, what about, I, I guess, where do we go from here? Obviously, these guys weren't exactly fighting to see who defeats uh, or who fights Alex Pereira and Israel Adesanya. Um, Andre was number 11. I don't know that Brendan was in the top 15. I mean... I guess my biggest thing is like moving up in the rankings. I mean, you got guys like a Roman Delitzi, Jack Hermanson out there, uh, Kelvin Gastelum, and uh, got another fight. So it's like, you know, maybe Nazardine Imavov. Who stands out to you? You know what? It's not one of those fights that, it's, you know, it's really got my brain churning. Um, so not really sure. I think. They had to step up, but there it wasn't okay. The internet was buzzing over Brandon Allen's submission victory. It was a big moment, a big win, but I don't think it's enough to really, you know, make significant waves for them for their next fight. I think they're still just working their way up the chain. Um, and specifically, who I don't know, I can't, I can't think of who. Um, yeah, Allen wasn't ranked, uh, Muniz was 11. I like Jack coming off the loss, who's number eight right now. I mean, Imavov is there, but he's actually below Muniz, so I think Brendan might even feel like, well, you know, strike while the iron is hot. But yeah, uh, Jack Jack stands out the most. I think Jack will be looking to rebuild, and, you know, I think that's a, another good step up for Brendan, because considering Jack... Jack beats Roman Delitzi, Jack Hermanson might have been on deck for... Izzy and Pereira, so I I like that fight. I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tatiana Suarez. I mean, the people's co-main event, which uh-huh. I can't believe I just said that sentence, but it was. Um, <laughs> uh, look, submits Montana De La Rosa in the second round. Um, I was impressed with Montana. I think she made that a lot more competitive than most people promoted it. Like. Straight up, I see MMA fighting, and, like, the only scrum they uploaded is Tatiana's. They didn't even have Ryan or Krilov's, and I'm like, wow, okay. And and to be fair, Tatiana's a big deal. Like, when I've done videos with Tatiana, they've performed well, so I'm aware that to many people she was, you know, one of the main attractions of the whole card, even with the layoff and not the main event, not the co-main um montana i was impressed with her ability to actually neutralize a bit of the damage coming at her she didn't really ever get stuck in the first round worked her way out of it forced tatiana to kind of stay on her and it wasn't one-way traffic oh tatiana's closed the distance this is a wrap no montana i thought you know was keeping it right there with her i think obviously she was very cautious of making mistakes that give tatiana those easy points and in the second round, you know, a little bit more of the same. And then Tatiana goes for that guillotine. And really, that was all she wrote. And uh, Montana, tough, tried to fight it. But 
uh, Tatiana just had that perfect position and she knew that she just had to hold on sooner or later. What were your thoughts? Very impressed with Montana De La Rosa's ability to offer meaningful resistance, right, to, to, to Tatiana Suarez because even though it's been a while since we've seen her, no one forgets, no one can forget what a dominant force she was at 115. So she's she's coming back just to come back at 125, but she wants to go back to 115. But still, she was just manhandling her competitors, right? So I was nervous for Montana De La Rosa. I hadn't seen her fight in a while. I remember her from, I think it was tough, if I remember correctly. So yeah, she was her. on the tough season. Yeah. yeah, and so I was actually very impressed. She's a, she's a lot better than she was then, which makes sense, of course. Everyone gets better, but uh, I didn't expect her to have such a good response for all of Tatiana's offense, wrestling offense. So I was feeling very hopeful. I was like, okay, you know what? I, I think this could be competitive. The commentators are telling us, Montana was saying, you know, we're bigger here. You're not going to be able to, to toss us around. She put up a good fight. She really did. But once Suarez got comfortable, she, you know, I think she knew how Montana moved her body. She tired her out a little bit, probably frustrated her a little bit. It was easy peasy. So it was a fine showing for Montana De La Rosa because it wasn't just anyone coming back after two, three years. It was Tatiana Suarez, who everyone in 2019 knew was going to make big waves. So I wouldn't be too hard on myself if I was Montana De La Rosa. She was fighting someone very special with really, really unique, a unique skill set. But Tatiana Suarez, I mean, she's just, she's just like cruised into a victory essentially. And now she's feeling pretty confident. So if I'm 115, the whole division, I'm, I'm nervous because I'm 125 because we saw what she did Look, she didn't like bulk up to fight at 125 the way John Jones did for heavyweight. She just didn't cut. So if she wants to fight at 125 at some point, you you know she's going to do well. So if I'm 125, I'm looking at her. If I'm 115, I'm shaking in my boots a little bit because she's big and strong. And, you know, I don't know who has an answer for that wrestling. I mean, yeah, uh, so one thing I will say is that I look at that and I, I want to re-acknowledge, I mean, you, you saw what Zhang Wei Li did to Carla Esparza, and not to say that in a straight wrestling match that Wei Li is, you know, like, oh, uh, we'll pin Tatiana, you know, nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. However, you know, it's it's a slightly different ball game. I think, you know, you go back to 2019, Wei Li had just made her way up, but, you know, Rose, Joanna, you know, it was a, I guess the, the dynamics were a little bit different. I feel like the straw weights right now, when you look at the versatility of a lot of them, Mackenzie Dern's grappling, for example, right. um, Marina Rodriguez and how she was able to deal with the jujitsu, things like that. Uh, Jan Shonan, um, I, I acknowledge that it is a little bit of a different landscape than 2019. That being said, yeah, you go back to how Tatiana was doing. You go back to the fact that she's probably going to, you know, there's a lot of ring rust to wear off. And she looked perfectly fine against Montana, a weight class up. I expect her to look even more dialed in at 115, more weight advantage, probably, you know, physically going to feel a lot better, actually haven't gotten that fight back in her system. So I just expect that. Now, once again... 
did this one say, oh, she's fighting Zhang Wei Li next, forget about Amanda Lemos, etc. I wouldn't say all that. That being said, you know, I mean, let's talk a little bit of matchmaking. Tatiana, I mean, Mackenzie, well, Mackenzie Dern has got Angela Hill. Yan Shanan, is that the fight we're looking at? Is the fight with Rose Namajunas? I know Tatiana wants that. Is that... Is that our target? What do you think is next at 115 for her? Man, that's a tough one because I feel like she could really give anybody a run for their money. But has she? is she a big enough name to jump right into top five? Do you think she is? I would say so for the simple fact that, um, how do I put it? I know like Jan Shonan is right there. I know Marina Rodriguez is booked. Amanda Lemos is doing well. I feel like the the star power from Tatiana. I feel like she's you know, apart from Rose and Carla, she's really like that third dark horse that uh-huh. the UFC wants to get behind. And considering that Rose is kind of MIA right now, it's like well, I almost feel like you do Tatiana versus Jan Shannon for a title shot. Or Tatiana Amanda Lemos, you know, uh, yeah. because it, it's just like the iron is just so hot right now. And if she's already back like she never left, she was right there for a title shot before. She was. yeah. So it's kind of like, how much do you really want to see her do outside of win? Right. And now look, obviously, it's on the other girls who have been active and doing their thing. The Marina's, Amanda's, uh, girls like that handle it. But I think that if you're talking about what do I sense for the hype in Tatiana, the UFC got behind it, the media got behind it, the fans were behind it. I could see her one fight title eliminator. And Jan Shannon stands out the most to me if Rose Namajunas is still, uh, you know, taking a, her time off. Yeah, I like Jan Shannon for sure. You, you mentioned it, she's ranked currently seventh, but I like Mackenzie Dern too. I mean, Mackenzie know. got booked with Angela Hill though. Oh, I mean, that's they, right. that's yeah, right. they could right. call an audible, but yeah. No, 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 that's right. Andrade, I know, obviously, she just fought Aaron Blanchfield, but... That wouldn't be bad either, to be yeah. quite honest with you. I mean, that powerful jujitsu against the, the wrestling, I mean, you know, all things considered, right? I like that one, too. I like that one, too. All right. Carlos Barza, man, I wouldn't do it to her. <laughs> I just feel like, as amazing as she is, Tatiana's just... The, the the size difference. I mean, I was surprised honestly that Tatiana is measured in at five five, because to me she seems way taller. I've heard her say it. It's because she's got those broad shoulders. Yeah. She just looks like a lot. You know, uh, she just looks different than a lot of the other strawweights. Yeah, she's and she's got a big. You know, I I don't I say this respectfully. She has a nice strong mandible. Like her jaws just just mighty, and so I think that contributes to it as well. Yeah. But yeah, the, she's brought it up. It's like, everyone thinks I'm so tall. She's like, I'm 5'5". Five five. I think it's just the shoulders. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with that, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean... I, I was, I, I, like, I've seen a couple of the straw weights, and, you know, several of which are my friends. But huh? my goodness, are they a little short and, you know, small sometimes. You know, yeah. and I'm like, wait, you know, it's like, even I got to admit you look taller on TV. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I think that's it for Tatiana. I've been around her in person a few times, and right. yeah, it's just, I think it's just the shoulders is all. Okay. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think title eliminator. I think that's just it. Um, I mean, look, it was obviously quite the night. Uh, 
Cup finishes. Trevor Peak had a good one. A bunch of them did well. So, you know, it, it was fine. But obviously, when you lose your main event and everybody was kind of like, all right, are we getting to John Jones? Like, I almost felt like the fans were a little like, hey, I actually, after Tatiana, I'm like, ah, you know, we're going to just hang out. UFC night is next week. You know, everyone's going to take the night off work and stay home and watch TV. Yeah. This Saturday, not this one. So that's the vibe I felt, which is fine. You know, I thought we had a decent night of fights, all things considered. Um... Natalie, let's talk about the best of the weekend. Problem solved. Tommy Fury defeats Jake Paul by split decision. After much delay, they have a good little scrap. Tommy rallies from a couple knockdowns. Both of them lost points. I like what the commentary said, Sean Porter. Like, you know what? What you're seeing is guys who are not that experienced doing a couple things that you wouldn't see more seasoned pros like your Canelos and all of them pulling, which is a lot of the clinching and a lot of the other stuff. So I do like how he framed it because I felt like I understood that fight so much better. But in the end, we just got a nice little scrap out of those guys too. I was impressed by Tommy's ability to avoid eating a lot of big power. He did take a few shots that sat him down briefly, but there was never a point where I was like, oh man, Jake really hurt him with that one. No, I felt like Tommy took it well. I felt like Tommy really just did a good job of neutralizing Jake. He moved differently than Anderson, differently than Tyron, obviously differently than Ben Askren and Nate Robinson. <laughs> ben um, Askren didn't move. And he just, uh, look, I thought that was a pretty decent fight, all things considered, for what you knew you were watching. And Tommy Fury solves the problem, hands Jake Paul his first L, I would have liked to see an MMA guy do it, but I'm not going to hate on Tommy. I think everyone, myself included, kind of lost faith in him, and he showed up for himself. I was happy with it. What about you? Yes, also happy with it. It was um, surprisingly competitive, and this was, you know, Anderson Silva, that that was the toughest opponent Jake Paul had faced up until, you know, up to that point. But we all know, you know, an Anderson Silva just a few years younger would have done so much better. Okay. He still did a great job, but didn't get, he didn't win. Just straight up, he didn't win. He didn't beat Jake Paul. This was nice to see. An actually competitive, both, you know, evenly sized, evenly, um, I don't know, aged. <laughs> yeah. Know, he was fighting someone, I think, 15 years younger minimum than everybody else yeah and so this was this was how it should always have been right now he had to do what he had to do to make his name and it worked i didn't like it but it worked um tommy fury man he was giving it to him he had some really nice movement he was using his jab like if you look at jake paul's face versus tommy fury's face i think you can see the story a little clearly there i was pleasantly surprised pleasantly surprised so Tommy Fury is riding high. I was watching videos of him in the locker room. Tyson Fury is there. The the prince of Saudi Arabia is there. I mean, they're just having a ball. Jake Paul looked pretty miserable on his side, but you know what? You can't win them all. So I think it's a fine win for Tommy Fury, but if he, you know, I don't know what his plans are in the boxing world. Like Jake Paul is a big name, but he's, I don't think a respected boxer. Like he's proven to us that he works hard and he's better than we all thought he could be, but he's not in the top as far as skills go. So what does this do for Tommy Fury? I don't know, 
But I think it's good to get the monkey off your back, right? He doesn't have to deal with Jake Paul anymore, all that nonsense. Uh, Jake Paul put up a good showing against someone who is a boxer, who comes from a big boxing family, and he looked fine. So I don't think it hurts him too much either. And if I were him, I would just keep my head forward, eye on the prize, keep trying to build that name. I mean, these two were just very evenly matched, if I may say so myself. So I feel like, oh, you know, like, let's be honest. You take the name and the fame away from both of them. They're probably two guys you would see developed on, you know, these smaller cards that are on every week, right? You know, DAZN has them, ESPN has them, and these guys would be, you know, uh, main card openers, prelims, things like that, moving their way up as they, I think both of them have less than 10 fights. So it's like, yeah, of course, they're still on their way up. They are prospects. But because they are Jake Paul, 20 million on any given platform, Tommy Fury, several million on a platform. Yeah. Obviously, you can't just put them as a curtain jerker to a Canelo. And they and also that's not what they want. They're here to make money, too. Got it. So it's like uh, I get it. But yeah, these are two very talented, very big brands that, you know, they're not Canelo and Tyson Fury yet. And that's fine. But, you know, obviously they got the main event spotlight. People were interested to see it and it showed. And I, I appreciated the showing that they had for themselves. For sure. Um, Jake Paul. Uh, all right. One, Tommy Fury. If you take, if you want a rematch with Jake, go for it. You don't need it. You may not even want it immediately, but it's out there now forever. Okay, cool. I'm sure he'll get, if not Jake, he'll get another prospect and just kind of keep moving his way up. He gets a nice trophy for beating Jake Paul with that nice belt. Jake Paul. Uh, does this affect your desire to see him fight MMA? Yes or no? Does it affect? No, it doesn't. It doesn't actually. In fact, I think, okay, now it'll be, now I know that it'll be more competitive than I would have figured because, you know, he's fought MMA guys in a boxing ring that were, and he fought older MMA guys whose specialty was not striking, except for Anderson Silva. And now we know, okay, against a real boxer, he can do okay. He held his own, right? More than, more than that. And so I'm actually more interested to see how he does. Um, even if he had been, this is going to sound terrible, even if he had been soundly beaten, I still would want to see him in the, MM, in the cage fighting MMA just, just for my entertainment. Because well, how is he going to handle a kick to the head? So um, I still want to see it because I think he can put up somewhat of a fight, but also I'd like to see what he does with kicks. I'm not. I'm sure he's training because he wouldn't sign a deal with PFL if he hadn't. But to go back to your question, yes, I do want to see it. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't uh, diminish my interest. What about you? I have a bad news for you. <laughs> it low key kind of did. Okay. And I, I'll say this. I'll say this because we're talking about PFL pay per view, right? Yeah. And all this. And I'm not saying it won't still be a big show, good show, nice spectacle, great production. I expect all that from the Jake PFL partnership. Had Jake beaten Tommy and then it's just, hey, you're going to see me in September in the cage. I would have been like, ooh, 
this is going to be so good mm-hmm. right about now i'm like all right so now it's like well if you actually now i feel like the mystery is kind of out because it's like well if he fights somebody his size you know a lot of those advantages you know his age a lot of that is gone right yeah okay now with pfl and this i'm like all right so if you fight like a mike perry here you i expect you to have like almost 25 30 pounds on Eh, i mean okay yeah sure let's go right okay that's one and then you talk about a um anybody else it's like all right you know now the the hype is gone i don't see this as like oh this is jake paul's mma debut with let, let's just say hypothetically Antidalia francis Ngannou. it's like ah uh, well now it's just not quite as i don't see that as like oh my gosh it's a spectacular co-main event now it's just like all right there's some interest yeah because we talked about this the uh novelty is gone we know about jake paul by now we've seen it seven times by now so even though it's interesting to see how he'll do in mma had he stayed this undefeated boxer or even if he at least gotten the win and shown hey he's really you know this train is rolling Mm -hmm. i think that still makes it significantly bigger than unfortunately him taking this result on saturday am i still interested yes like i said it's going to be a good show and all that but i'd be lying if i said i didn't feel like it would be bigger had he kept that oh and i'll leave it at that yeah i mean that's fair um Let's say it sounds like he wants to box one more time, maybe late this year, but most likely early next year. He'll do the pay-per-view with PFL. In that case, do you care about rematch with Tommy or do you want to see him try? It sounds like the Nate Diaz thing is just they're not on the same page. Just like it sounds like Nate wants stuff and Jake runs business differently. So they're not on the same page. So do you care about him trying to avenge his big bro with KSI? I mean... What do you think of this going forward? I don't care about avenging with KSI, and I don't care about a rematch with Tommy Fury. Doesn't it's not necessary unless okay, unless it's on free TV. Then I'm like, all right, cool, that, that'll be fun. But <laughs> like, I have no interest in a pay per view, another pay per view with Jake Paul rematching Tommy Fury. So no, give it to me for free, and then I'll watch it. Um, or you know. You know, if I was like 15 years younger and knew how to uh, finagle the system, I guess I wouldn't care. But uh, I'm not that interested in Tommy Fury, Jake Paul. I just, yeah, I want to. I just want him to move forward. Like he's got to shake this one off. Everyone loses. It's part of the game. It'll make them better, make them stronger. And I just want to see what they're gonna do in PFL already. That's fair. Uh, I told you before the fight, I would have been with you there, but I get it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. If I'm... Okay, the thing... My thing about the KSI thing is that I feel like Jake has made so many strides to be taken seriously as a boxer. And okay, so he's had selective matchmaking. Uh, I'm going to give you that right off the bat. That being said, all this with the showtime and the production and the training and all of this, like, I feel like he's made an effort to be like, hey... I'm trying to be a real boxer. I'm surrounding myself by real boxers. This is a real boxing show. Whereas I feel like KSI has kind of, you know, the misfits boxing, a little bit of the semi-pro boxers, right? That I feel like, all right, 
Jake is sounding like in his perfect world, he keeps developing and then he's ready to be the guy who takes out an older Canelo. Yeah. Right, not saying that would have happened, but okay. Right. KSI, I kind of feel like he's in it for the, you know, not. He's in it for the love of the game, but he's also like, hey, I'm not trying to beat Canelo. We have a business where people want to watch us box because there's actually real stakes for the personalities having beef. Mm-hmm. Let's make some money off of it. I, that's a completely different track. So yeah. to pair these guys up, yes, I know they're big on YouTube. Yes, I know their original fan bases would probably love it. But in my mind, I'm like, you guys are on completely, just two completely different books. Same section, different books. So. Yeah, it makes me think of Michael Chandler's, you know, I'm not here for a long time, I'm here for a good time. That's KSI. Yes. Right? And, and so they're not, yeah, they're, they're not uh, in the same spheres anymore. Jake Paul has transcended the fun sphere and he's trying to make himself a legitimate boxing entity. Um, he has to just keep fighting or combat sports entity. He has to keep challenging himself and fighting bigger names. But yes, to your point, I don't want to see it for that reason either. Yeah, but um, no, nah, I mean, I'm sure they'll decide. I'm sure he'll explore it. In my mind, they're probably running it back, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh-huh. It'll be, you know, it'll be what it'll be. Or he may decide, hey, you know what? After taking an L, the best business decision is the MMA thing, and he just puts all chips in. Let's do it. Let's go. Uh, Bellator, Yaroslav Amosov. After a year away, almost a year to the day of Russia invading his native country, the Ukraine, returns to action. And just for a lot of people, that was just a rout of Logan Storley, who took him to a split decision in their first fight a couple of years ago. Uh, you know what? Um, look, the performance was solid. We know he's this great grappler. We know that he trains out of a great team, an American top team. So... You know, I think that's something people forget. He's not just doing this out of you at home in the Ukraine. He can. He does. It's not like he just sits on the couch when he's at home when they are not in a crisis. Mm -hmm. But he is out of a great team. He's part of their just legacy over there. And he showed up even more dialed in after all that he's been through and delivered that performance, which is quite frankly the story of the fight. I mean, he looked great against Logan after a year away for his country. Goes out there and says, my plan is to go back and keep helping my country fight for their freedom and safety. And I'm like, I don't know if I have words for this. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. It is unlike many things that we have seen in the combat sports world recently. And we discussed this last year. And really, that's all I have to add. Great performance. We could talk about a top contender, but I'm like... That man has more important things, and he still came back and looked that good. Yeah, that's crazy. Bravo. Yep, just off the front lines, to the cage, back to the front lines. Like, yeah, that's that's a very unique human being right there. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, I know there's not more to add. I want to leave it to you. Do you have anything to say about Amosov and the fact that he just did that? No, man, that's it's just impressive, you know, exactly that. Staying committed to a cause that's much greater than he is right beyond his personal achievements in combat sports and still yeah somehow finding time to to train and to make it look easy when he comes back you got to imagine he was 
extremely motivated and inspired and angry probably and not at his opponent but at the the larger um scene uh, worldwide scene there that he's dealing with so it is just one of those things where you just stand up you clap and you say okay well best of luck to you and if we see you again okay because he's got more important things to do for sure yeah um Obviously, you know, in a situation like this, the only thing I will send off is obviously I hope for his safety and for the people of the world, Ukraine and Russia, you know, there's plenty of people who are just like, this is a political thing. You're like, the people running the bakery aren't out there saying, yeah, let's get into Ukraine. It's like, yeah, this is a much bigger thing. So for both communities, I hope just more than resolution just like an end to the conflict you know it is just bluntly and just you know for everyone involved you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that's obviously that is a very i'm aware very naive and idealistic way but that is my wish for these people when you hear and see what he's going through and what other people are going through so i'm gonna leave my i'm gonna leave us with that last point okay I'm going to take a final side note. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, uh, just styling on Aaron Chalmers, they go to, quote, decision. There's no real stake, so it's not like it got really hyped up, but he has the fight in the UK. I think they... Remember, if someone doesn't get knocked out, which you're not supposed to knock them out, they go to a draw. So they're technically a draw, but most would say Floyd won that, quote, fight. My blunt question... Are you hyped for Mayweather versus Aldo? Yes, um, I am. Because it's clear that Mayweather is just taking these exhibition fights as they're presented to him. You know, it's kind of like, would you like some more money? Oh, sure, okay. He doesn't get hurt. He doesn't even get touched. It's just fun for him. It's just like another training session. He was probably going to train that day anyway. Might as well get paid for it. So I don't... Like, I, with him now, it's like I tune in and out based on his opponent. Wasn't going to tune in for Aaron Chalmers, no offense. But I would definitely tune in for Jose Aldo because Jose Aldo has legitimate boxing talent and hunger and a plan, according to Jorge Masvidal anyway, a plan to fight seven or eight times this, this, uh, you know, this year. Um, I don't know if he can do that. But if he can really get a fight with Floyd Mayweather, I believe he's going to go in there to win. Whatever the rules are, he's not going to be a gentleman about it. He's going to go in to win. And so I am still hyped for that fight because it doesn't matter. Um, Floyd Mayweather is going to rise to the level of his opponent. And so if it's easy, he's going to make it look he's going to make it look easy. If it's someone like Jose Aldo who's going to take it to him, he's going to have to fight. And I think he will. I was going to say you're not a fan of Geordie Shore there. <laughs> no, Natalie. I mean, you don't, you're not watching the UK's Jersey Shore. I don't dislike Shore. him. It's just like... <laughs> You know, no. I know that wasn't going to be a, a, a challenge for Mr. Mayweather, to put it that way. Fair enough. Um, I, my thing straight up, is this like, does he take it seriously like he took Conor McGregor? Uh, and I think that's the thing, because I think that Mayweather could, if he hears Aldo say like, hey, we're going out for this and that, he might be like, no, no, no. Like, you want to get a bag? We could have a match. You want to have a fight, you could go take someone else. I'm not in that business no more. Like, mm, okay. That's why he's doing this. So I think that's two things. I'm sure that, once again, Aldo wants to get paid. Who wouldn't? You mm. know, I mean, I heard this like, all right. And I'm aware that you're not a basketball person like I am. 
Do you remember that thing when Ice Cube had that big three basketball, the three yeah, on three course. stuff? It yeah, of didn't, didn't die in COVID. Yeah, kind of, yeah. But straight up, so he was like, well, I mean, you got guys that can still play. Yeah. Maybe not five on five with like a LeBron and the stars of the NBA, but that can still play, still have a name and people want to watch. Right. I think that's Mayweather. It's like, oh, look, he's not interested in uh, Spence and Crawford and all these other guys coming up. All right, that's fair. You freaking went 50 and 0. You yeah. ran the business. You ran the table. You you broke records. You changed the game for pay-per-view. I mean, you know, you're talking about 2 million. When was the last time you heard of 1 million? It yeah. doesn't happen that frequently anymore with the way that pay-per-view is. So respectfully, I see like for a guy like Floyd, he's in like a big three part of his career. I'm not looking to, but I'm still this good at boxing. I still have a name. Why can't I cash in on it? Yep. Jose Aldo, he feels like he's fighting the guy who just beat Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. And it's like, you know, so it depends on are they on the same page that fight happens. But just as like a spectator, of course, I would love it. If they're both taking it that seriously. I don't think Floyd wants to anymore, which is his prerogative. He doesn't have to, to be quite honest with you. But that's my one thing about the Aldo McGregor thing. Aldo Mayweather, you know, is are they on the same page? So that's where I stand with that. Yeah. Yeah. Would be fun, though. Let's, yeah. Let's make it clear. <laughs> anyway, uh, final one. Um, oh, fight announcements. Uh, whichever one you want to acknowledge, but Curtis Blades, Pavlovich... April 22nd, main event, high stakes. Honestly, if whoever wins this Saturday, if Stipe, you know, stubs his toe, the winner of this one steps in easily. They right. got the credentials. Love it. Aljo Henry Cejudo, May 6th, pending Aljo's recovery for his bicep continues. Love it. I think that kind of just keeps rolling the ball for the UFC schedule. And then potential co-main event, Benil versus Charles Oliveira, May 6th also. Um, I just look, I, I just like it. I just like the guys getting fights who need to get fights. I'm ready to see them both back. Benil could honestly get Islam straight up. I, I'll stand by it once again, assuming, I believe Islam, Ramadan takes place April to like June, I think. Okay. If I'm familiar with that correctly. If I'm not, I apologize greatly. But my point of that is that, okay, if he takes the time off, he could do like an August-September, but at that point, UFC may just say, we want you in Abu Dhabi. You know, from the area and the background and everything. And in which case, Benil versus Charles fight in May. Winner that one would be on a timetable to fight in October. So I'm like, okay. So I don't hate it. What about you? I love Aljo Cejudo. I mean, that that would be a crazy fight, crazy good fight. Benil Darius, Charles Oliveira, that's very, very interesting. And on the same card, potentially, that's uh, that's that's getting your money's worth right there. You know, Benil Darius is this is kind of like where Charles Oliveira was before he exploded last year. This guy who's getting all these wins unexpected a little bit but talented and just doing his thing and then all of a sudden explodes and so maybe this will be his moment we don't know but charles Oliveira obviously looking for redemption so uh out of the three i'm most excited about that matchup i mean it's just one of those things i mean volkanovsky was there volkanovsky needed so many wins and then finally oh you know title shot let's go uh leon edwards Bilal muhammad is right there right now it's like 
you know, I think that it's not like there's a path. It's not like, oh, because you're not a, you know, big personality or big brand that it it doesn't have a happy ending. No, it, it has for a bunch of these guys. So I like that for Benil and I like the fight stylistically for Charles. I think it's all good. So I'm ready for it. Um, our final point before we move on to UFC 285, uh, Dana White downplays talk of McGregor's preferential treatment. So right now the rumor is out there that several fighters were, several cast members, so not obviously coaches or assistant coaches, uh-huh. kind of got bumped from being in the show because McGregor wanted his some of his guys, his teammates, to get the opportunity. Dana White did not say bluntly, yeah, Connor's teammates bumped a few of the guys. Dana White did say, though, if guys were going to be on the show that didn't, we'll find opportunities for them. And yeah, Conor McGregor is a big star, and he's leaving his home in Ireland to come be here for several weeks to shoot the show. Uh He's going to get good treatment. Where do you stand on this? Because on the one hand, I get it. No one likes... When you are the... On the wrong end of the stick of preferential treatment you got some feelings about it been there i think everyone has yeah yeah for sure is this a case like with artem where they so it's not a i'm sorry it's not a case like with artem where they act added an extra spot they're they're removing people from that have been selected and and replacing them with connor's teammates or what specifically is happening so understand it's not like hey they get me for the show i fly out uh, Sunday, we start shooting Monday morning. There's, you know, you got to get there, pass medicals and all that. And then, you know, there's a whole finalization. They do have people always on deck in case for whatever reason. Hey, turns out your hand is too damaged. You have concussions. You have yeah. whatever. And at the 11th hour, hey, we have, you know, plan B to step into the show. Before they started shooting... As people were late in the finalization process, the rumor is that several of Connor's guys bumped several of the guys who were already expecting to go right through. There was no reason why they wouldn't go through to be on the show. Okay. Yeah. Look, yeah, uh, no one wants to get passed over like that. It's a, you know, if combat sports when it's man-to-man is is a meritocracy, right? Like, may the best man win when we're fighting. But before you get to the man-on-man part, there's a lot of uh, politics involved. And so that's when it can get really, when it can suck. I don't like it. Like, why does, I don't like that Connor's requesting this and, and trying to push his people through. It should just be what the show is, which is you get there, uh, let the showmakers pick the cast, you pick your team, and may the best fighter win. That's what it should be. Uh, but I'm also like, the UFC is willing to bend for people, fighters, whenever necessary, and maybe he made a good case and was able to demonstrate that they are superior fighters. I don't know, obviously, but in general, I don't like it. But of course, I'm not surprised. Put it that way. I would agree. And then I remember it is a reality show. Of course. There's plenty of guys that they've pulled because they make good TV, not because necessarily they were the best fighter they could find for this particular season. That's very true. That's uh, yeah. Reality shows are very 
curated that you know you have to create the perfect ensemble you need all the emotions represented by every person you know you need caricatures and characters and so yeah if 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 he's helping them create that okay <laughs> fine or if they feel like they can do that you know look here's here's what well, I'll say if they're capturing all this on film and they can make it part of the show then then I'm okay with it and that at least we're going to get good drama out of it so what I will say to that is that I actually think all right, Dana, I kind of acknowledge we'll find something. Maybe it's contender series, maybe it's short notice fights, LFA tracks, whatever. Okay, I mean, obviously, if you wanted to be on TV for ten weeks with Connor and Chandler, uh, I get it. If you're salty about it, I think that's fair. I will say when I look at the big picture, and I say this with respect, I've recognized and been familiar with guys and girls who have gone into tough. Pre, you know, from the local scene, regional scene, mm-hmm. fans probably weren't going to be up in arms if a guy you've never heard of got bumped from tough. Yeah. And on that note, I would say as a TV show, if this, they could easily make this a storyline like, hey, you know, like you're the guy Connor brought in. Obviously, now there's targets on guys back in the house. That infinitely makes it much more interesting when if we're being honest the ultimate fighter format has gotten stale and you kind of feel like these guys are almost always different versions of what we've already seen you know it's kind of like a rehash which many long-running reality shows start to feel like Mm -hmm. so i do think this idea of having something feel like real stakes for the fights inside the house it's not just the finale. It's actually week to week some bragging rights. I really like it. And I think that this gives you a bigger leg up for the show when it finally comes out in like two, three months. So that's my feeling on it. Yeah. We got a big fight this Saturday. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> I mean, first off, this undercard, because I know we're not going to talk about it. I mean, Brunson, Duplessis. Uh, Bo Nichols UFC debut. Yeah, I mean, really, just uh, Jalen Turner, Matus Gamro. I mean, mm-hmm. Gamro could have been right there for a title shot, right over Benil. I mean, yep. this is honestly just really loaded. Amanda Hebas out there with a uh, Virna. Yeah, I mean, you got Cody Garbrandt on the prelims. That's uh... a <laughs> bro. This one is really just so much fun. I, I I'm really ready for it. I think it's just like. You know, not every card is like, hey, you know, like it starts four o'clock up Pacific time. Hey, four o'clock through 10, I'm locked in. Mm-hmm. This is a four o'clock through 10, I'm locked in kind of card. Yeah. Uh, and I really like it. So in that way, I'm, you know, Saturday is UFC night if you're a fan. If you're a casual and you're just tuning for the pay-per-view, let me tell you, a lot of people that the diehards enjoy watching are fighting early. That's not the case for everybody. So... Or for every week, so mm-hmm. I recommend that. Um, let's, as always, from the bottom up, Valentina Shevchenko, Alexa Grasso, flyweight title. I think the biggest thing, Valentina has to reassert her status, get that Mike Tyson effect, right? Air of invincibility. Yeah. What helps is that Alexa is not known for her grappling, not known for necessarily pursuing the takedown if her striking isn't working. So I do feel like for Valentina, this actually almost works better. If anything, Valentina most efficiently will be the one to grapple. 
as opposed to maybe Alexa, because I think Valentin is expected in a more comprehensive way to be the better striker. And then for Alexa, you have what well, could be a fun fight if they just choose to stand. I don't know that Alexa's grappling is at the level that it needs to be to really neutralize Valentina. Certainly not to the effectiveness of Tyler Santos, but just objectively, I don't see that being a part of her game that's going to be the big weapon she would probably want to have if that's how she's going to play it. I think if anything, we're going to see Alexa looking to pick her spots, live by the sword, die by the sword on the feet. Valentina could do the same thing, or Valentina could be the one to say, I'm going to put you on your back. I'm going to show my grappling tonight, and let's see how we go from there. What about you? Yeah, you know, Valentina, since, I don't know, since she submitted Juliana Pena, I don't know when, but there, there came a period, a point in her career where she enjoyed showing off her other skills besides Muay Thai, right, and her striking. And she went in for the body lock and just take people, muscle them down, really. It wasn't so much technique as it was power. And we've seen lately that can be challenged with Tyler Santos. Um, and we just saw Alexa Grasso submit somebody. And I can't remember who she submitted. But it was her first submission victory. So if you really just made them grapple, who's the superior grappler? I don't think we know because it's not their their original, you know, it's not their specialty. They're both strikers. So I think Shevchenko is going to stay loose and cautious at the beginning. Um, she wants to feel out Grasso. If the if Grasso closes the distance for, for striking for kicks, Shevchenko will take advantage and probably take a body get a body lock and take her down. But you know. I think she's. I don't think she's going to be trying to. I don't think she's going to try to submit her. But Shevchenko is just going to take it where the you know she takes the fight where the fight takes her. Really. Um. I don't think this will be as tough a challenge for Shevchenko as Tyler Santos was, but I'm not counting Grasso out at all. Her boxing is supremely slick, and she's grown so much since she started in the UFC. And she's confident, and this is a big test. I think if you're in this division, you're watching Shevchenko dominate the way she is, to your point, this is Shevchenko's time to reestablish her, herself as the Mike Tyson of the division. On the flip side, if you're Grasso, you're looking at, at Shevchenko and saying, yeah, she's totally beatable. Look what Tyler Santos did. So I think Grasso, man, here's what I'm thinking. is going to be a little bit boring at first because they're both going to be feeling each other out. I think round one, maybe even round two, it's just going to be, let's see what you got. I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get cornered. Um, Grosso's going to keep trying to, to jab, to use her boxing, but Shevchenko's just going to stay like a, a, you know, an inch or two away. I don't know when the, when the round, when it's going to switch, when someone's going to go in for the kill. That being said, I just still cannot pick against Shevchenko. I think she still is the superior uh, fighter at this weight class. I don't think she's going to finish Grasso. I think it's going to go to decision, and she'll still be the champion. Yeah, I, I think that stylistically she's just um, she's got the game for someone like Grasso. And I, I want to acknowledge, I mean, Alexa, when you have Dana White saying Dana White is, sorry, the Dana White saying the Ronda Rousey of Mexico, 
potentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot to live up to when she comes into the UFC at like um, 23 years old, I believe it was. So I want to say she's matured. She's grown as a fighter. She's improved. I mean, you talk about under 25 and you have fights with Tatiana Suarez and Carla Esparza, who in hindsight, I mean, come on, look how good they are, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like for a top prospect to go through growing pains, I acknowledge that, you know, look, it's not always a straight line. Aaron Pico said it. Not everyone is, not every young prospect gets to be a John Jones, you know? Yeah. That doesn't mean that you've had a bad career. Charles Oliveira, case in point. Um, that being said, stylistically, outside of a very perfect fight on the feet that really makes Shevchenko hesitant to close that distance, this is a tough fight. I think that Valentina is just more effective at using multiple weapons on the feet. Alexa's got great boxing. It's not like she doesn't kick. But Valentina, switch, stick, and move. Uh-huh. Switch stances, stick, and move. I mean, uh, most people say she's the best one out there. And that's including women like Rose Namajunas and Joanna. Right. And then you talk about the fact, look what she did to someone like Jessica Andrade when she does look to take you down. I mean, that's just, I mean, that that's just a lot for someone of Alexa's skill set to deal with. Not that it could be impossible, but I acknowledge she's going to really need to have really perfect night, really going to have to get going early, really going to have to take the wind out of the sails early if she's going to pull off this upset on the feet like we're expecting. Crazy things have happened, but this is a big handful for Alexa at this, for her first UFC title fight. And I'm with you there. I'm going with uh, Valentina. I'm going actually third, actually second round submission. Wow. I think they're going to feel it out, but I think she's going to get the sub. Um, I think she's just going to find her spot for it, kind of like Tatiana, and just get it done. Plain and simple. Okay. The return that everyone's been waiting on. Uh, I'll be honest. I think people are actually a little... It's a weird thing because you've done so much talk breaking down of Francis versus John that to talk about any other fight for John is feels weird. But um, my biggest thing, John Jones, Cyril gone. When I think about, okay, moving up to heavyweight and three years off. Okay, look at how those fights were going. You had guys really coming at him with all weapons. Uh, Dominic Reyes put the pressure on him. Tiago Santos. He had to avoid, you know, some explosiveness in fights. He had to avoid, you know, he had to deal with someone who was putting the pressure on him, who could defensively grapple. I think those are the things that gave John problems in recent fights. I think that when you look at the guys today, as opposed to the guys when he was, you know, 2011, youngest champion ever, more well-rounded, more, you know, just as conditioned, fast, you know now they're a little bit younger than him too all these little things have added up and i think that's what led to the competitiveness at 205 talking about the wrestling yes cyril gone out grappled by francis Ngannou. it's not you know ridiculous to say that probably is a route that you want to take if you don't want to stand with cyril francis Ngannou, much bigger stronger physically than john jones Look at them weighing in. Uh, you know, I, I promise you, go watch the weigh-in in Ganu versus Stipe number two. 
and watch whatever weigh-in we get on uh, Friday for John Jones. Promise you, Francis Ngannou still looks bigger and stronger. <laughs> that is a very different guy trying to change levels and put you down than John Jones will be. So while it might still be a route, you're talking about, okay, is that going to is Are you at the level wrestling enough to do it? Because even when he fought Daniel Cormier, there was like maybe one or two takedowns in that whole fight. Mostly it was defensive wrestling. In terms of pursuing, actually getting you down, he hasn't had to do that to a big guy his size who's young, hungry, just a beast of an athlete like a Cyril in a long time. And I acknowledge that. Now look, creativity, uh, technicality, his ability to utilize his physical gifts, that is still what's made John Jones the goat of MMA to a lot of people. Cyril Gaon has the moves and the swagger on the feet. I mean, you saw him what he did to Derek Lewis. You saw him against Tuivasa, took the shot, came back to put it on him and, you know, start piecing guys up. This is a guy who is considered the next evolution of heavyweights. That strong, that fast, that just mobile and technical. I get it. There's a lot to love about this fight. But really, it's about John Jones at this stage of the game. Is the whole greater than the sum of the parts to overcome a guy who's hungry to make his legacy on Saturday in Cyril? And I don't think I can hype it or frame it any more than that. So I'm going to toss it to you, Natalie. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm 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 very excited as 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 I would I would say the entire MMA community is right. This is a big deal. Whether you are a John Jones fan or not, it's a big deal to have him returning at heavyweight to fight for the belt against Cyril Gon, who's one of the better strikers in the heavyweight division. People who don't watch MMA are watching this one. They are, yeah, for sure, indeed. And when I think of Cyril Gon losing to Francis Ngannou, losing because of a wrestling of a wrestling strategy. You're right. Uh, Francis Ngannou is way bigger than John Jones, but Francis Ngannou's wrestling pedigree is way smaller than John Jones's, and so I wonder, does the technique that John Jones had at 205, it's got to go with him, right? Even though you know, even though he's moving up and fighting bigger guys, I don't think that technique is going to get diminished just because the guys are bigger. But still, you know, what's Cyril Gaon been doing to defend, to work on his wrestling? So all these factors, we have no idea. We have no idea what John Jones is going to look like, how he's going to move at this bigger weight class. Now, what's what's in working in his favor, actually, to me, is the fact that it's been so long since he's fought, um, only because it, it's given him proper time to build his body up to a heavyweight size. And according to, you know, his strength coach, he can still move the same, but he's just bigger. Of course, he's going to say that, but still. I think John Jones, for the, for him, this fight is a way bigger, uh, has way bigger repercussions than for Cyril Gaon. Cyril Gaon loses to John Jones, who's on the GOAT list. Well, that stinks, but you're still one of the best heavyweights, and you can still kick most anyone else's butt in the division. But this is for John Jones' legacy. This is to shut down all the haters, to, to you know send everybody with their tail between their legs back home who didn't believe in him. And so I think because it's a bigger personal risk, he's going to come out with a vengeance. He's going to come out like a warrior, mentally unwilling to, to, to be defeated. That's the X factor for me, is his mental fortitude. Because he is 
often, you know, not he's often persecuted, I guess. I would say for good reason, with good reason. If you look at his track record, there's a lot to pick at. But he always acts like the victim. And so because if you have that victim mentality, you're coming into it with a chip on your shoulder, feeling like you need to prove everybody wrong. And, and that can be a strength. That can be an asset in something like combat sports. So I think it will be a benefit for him. As far as strategies go, if I'm Cyril gone, man, just do what, you know, dance with, dance the style that got you there. And that's, you know, using your, your striking, your Muay Thai, keeping the distance. John Jones is going to be, I think, aggressive. And we will know after Cyril gone lands, you know, his first hard punch or first hard kick, how John Jones, you know, if he can take a punch at heavyweight, I think he can. There's just one other thing I want to say before we go back to making picks, and that's that, like, I don't know if you saw the countdown yet. The opening for the countdown features some of the greatest athletes of all time, like literally. Yeah, Babe, I, Babe I saw Ruth. Muhammad Ali. Yeah, <laughs> Babe Ruth, Muhammad Ali, Michael freaking Jordan. And then they show John Jones. Um, I wholeheartedly what, what are you about to say? I'm about to say I wholeheartedly disagree with that comparison with the inclusion of John Jones in that lineup. I don't fully know the history of these men that were featured there, but by all accounts, they were, oh, Tom Brady too. By all accounts, they were fine. They were good men and amazing athletes. Like upstanding citizens, upstanding so to Upstanding citizens. Okay. Yeah. And so for that reason, I don't think that it's a, it's an intelligent or, you know, reasonable conclusion for the UFC marketing department, whoever put this together to make, to, to include John Jones in that lineup. I think it's stupid and wrong. And they're trying too hard to sell him. No one buys it. If you put Anderson Silva there, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. So I think you have to be a good, generally a good human being, a good person and not have a, a tra- let me just say this. You, you can't have a track record like he does and be considered uh, to be in the same group as those gentlemen that I just named. Okay. So, so, so I'll say, you know, quite simply, you know, off the field, so to speak, also matters in terms of, you know, it's not just what you do on the field, but off the field, if you're going to be in that conversation and considered in the legacy discussion is different. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, because in, inside the cage, it's hard to find a guy, you know, in MMA. I mean, he's kind of done everything in terms of just MMA. His footprint is bigger. Like, respectfully, Demetrius has more title defenses. You know who's ahead of him on most people's goat list. It's a guy like John. So, okay. Uh, I take it you did not like when they asked him and he said there are many different shades to everybody's personality? That's true. There's a, There are. We're all, you know, if, you we just were just one, you, if we were just one note, how boring would we be? But there are extremes. You know, Adolf Hitler <laughs> is an extreme example of, you know, different shades. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, of course, you can't. You can't. I'm not comparing him, of course. John Jones, Adolf Hitler. I really am not doing that. I'm making a stupid joke. Okay. But, no, I get you. I get what you mean. Um, you feel like his infractions are maybe a little bit deeper than the average Joe, you know, yeah, relatively sure. speaking. And like, why should okay. I care, right? Why? Why? I don't want to sound like a ninny who's complaining. It's like, 
I guess I just don't like the guy. And he has a terrible track record out of the cage. You know, one of one you isolate any one of those incidents and it's like, oh man, that's that's pretty bad. You know, do better, be a better human, reset your life. But then it keeps happening. So anyway, I mean, I respectfully so to to give you this though, uh, what I want to say is that that's exactly the thing that John Jones has done to himself. Imagine if he actually like didn't have any of these things that have happened to him over the years, you would find you know very little to say. I was here said about like LeBron James. Name one time LeBron has really had a real big controversial moment. He hasn't, you know. I mean, uh, John, uh, Google, and you know, come back to me in a couple hours after you have actually gotten to the bottom of it and you have a different story. Okay, I think that that's something he carries, and I think that that's something like look by his own admission. You know, that's what he did, and. You know, look, he's had to carry it. It's always going to be a part of his story. It's always going to be a part of like, well, are you really this? Are you really that? It doesn't matter how many fights he won because those things were a big deal that happened, right? I completely get it. Totally agree with you. So I I, I acknowledge that, yeah, coming out of Saturday, there's going to be a lot of talk of the GOAT debate. Is John the GOAT if he wins? Is he still the GOAT if he loses? Was he ever the GOAT if he et cetera, et cetera? I completely get it. But I think that that's really the big... Um, I acknowledge that that's the hook. Because there is an element of this guy who... After everything that's ever happened... Everything that he got into... This idea that when it came time to get into the cage and fight... He pulled out the W. Always, yeah. And there's Always only always. one with the picogram incident. And I heard this. It came out and... I didn't even bother researching. They're like, if that were found today in an athlete, it wouldn't be considered an infraction. And I'm like, uh, let's not get into I this. Know, right? I that too. They're like, like they want to overturn the no contest to DC. And I'm like, guys, we no. let it go. I agree with Ariel said, if you broke, if at the time you broke the rule, that was the, that was the standard and you broke it, then it, that should stand. You don't need to go back and, and revise history. So exactly. So it's like, um, but my point is, all right, like, I, I, I get it. Like, there's going to be a lot of talk about it, and that's part of it. But it is for one night, you know, after all this that's ever happened, is he going to do it again one more time that he's going to tune out the noise, take home the W, and remind people that when the cage door closed, there was nobody else, you know, on his level? Okay, let's see. We're going to find out. And I think that's the hook. That's all I'm going to leave it at. Um... I mean, we got to pick someone, right? Yeah. My thing has always been the size is going to be different. I thousand percent believe Cyril went back to the gym to work his wrestling day in, yeah. day out. Uh-huh. And I think on that alone, the size and the speed, the youth, lack of miles, Cyril gone. You know what? Cyril gone third round TKO. Wow. Okay. I said it. Let's go. I like Ready? it. I mean, that's that's what I want to win. Who I want to win, obviously. You're going, uh, Jones. Well, I'm not sure, you know, because I can see Cyril gone doing Natalie, that. Natalie, after all that, you're about to... <laughs> I know. Am I about to pick John Jones? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Tell me. Because I am a... Uh, what do you call it when you uh, have no bias? <laughs> <laughs> I'm unbiased uh, media member. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know, man, because Cyril Gunn is just so good. You think about what he did to Tai Tuivasa. You said it. He took that shot. He was he was on wobbly legs. He gave one back and finished it. He can jump. He can. He has excellent footwork, head movement. He's so light on his feet for a heavy. I've never seen a heavyweight that light on their feet. I've never seen a heavyweight move like he does. And he was completely neutralized by Francis Ngannou's wrestling. But yeah, of course he went back and worked on it. Of course that could never happen to him again against Francis Ngannou. But again, I go back to John Jones and it being a personal, a personal mission for him to quiet all the haters, to 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 silence the world, to to cement his legacy. And somehow I feel like that's more powerful than all the skill sets of Cyril Gong combined, that mental drive. And so, yeah, I am going to pick John Jones. I was going to go round three TKO. So we're right opposite each other. I want you to win, but I think John Jones is going to win. I can't believe you just said this to me. <laughs> I, gotta tell, I have to say that I have to, you know, look, man, I told you how I feel about the man, but now I have to <laughs> tell you how I feel the fight's going to go. And that's... <laughs> That's just what I think. All right, all right, my Did bad. Did you pick Cyril Gone to stay on my good side? <laughs> not, I mean, not at all, but I guess we'll find out. Anyway, uh, fans, I know this is a long episode, so thanks for hanging on with us. Um, more importantly, I will be on site in Vegas all week uh, at Double G on TV. I post everything, media day, press conference, weigh-ins, fight night, cage side press. We're all there, all content, all week. We have interviews outside of Media Day on there. I mean, check it out. Come on now. Um, until then, like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week. Bellator, Usman Nurmagomedov, Benson Henderson, UFC, Peter Jan, Marab Davalishvili. Good action, good stuff. Until then, have a good one.